0: Thank you, Justin. Uh, really quickly, this doesn't have anything to to do with what I'm talking about today, but uh, I'm a mom. I have three children, and we were getting them ready to get out of the house, and Fern, our oldest, Colt was like, you have to put a sweater on because it's not summer yet, and so it was a little fight, and so finally she got her sweater on, and, and then I'm, you know, mom, as I'm sure many of you moms are out there, you just think of everyone else and so you're out, and you forget to put your own sweater on so we get out of the car and fern's like well why don't you have a sweater and you know i don't know about you but in those moments certain kids you really have to come up with a good explanation and fern needs a good explanation so i was like well fern adults have thicker skin so we don't need a sweater (laughs) so then it's like cold in here and i realize i don't have a sweater i need a sweater so i put on fern's sweater and apparently Adults do not have thicker skin, so that's a little tidbit for you guys that I just discovered. Um, I am going to just open up my notes, and I want to say, really quickly, all the mothers. Why don't we just have all the mothers stand up? All the mothers to be... We just honor you, your hard work, the times when you make up excuses or answers to all the why questions, or when you, you know, don't think about yourself and forget your own sweater. We just honor you guys. Um, It's beautiful what you do. And so um, today, um, well, I'm just going to share another little story quickly, and then I'll tell you about what I'm going to talk about. Um, So Florence is my seven-month-old. And... This week it's been a rough week. She's been teething and it's so, you know, if anyone's been with a teething baby, they're just agitated all the time. And you know, you're trying to like put her down to do stuff and do other things and she's just been like fussy. And so I'll just pick her up, you know, and then do my thing and she kind of calms down. And, and I have my teething tablets, I have my teethers, I have my, my teething stash. Um, but sometimes I, with, as a third child, I just don't have time, right? I forget about all the teething tools. Um, And so this was going on through the week where she would get fussy and I'd pick her up and she would calm down and then it's like, okay, okay, she's good and I put her down and she's fussy again and I pick her up. And I've been also thinking about what I'm speaking about this today and it realized, it dawned on me, wow, the presence, when I just bring her into my presence in my arms, it's very comforting. And even though I haven't gotten all my teething tools, she calms down and feels comforted without all those other things. And so how many know that moms are really good comforters, right? Like, if, you're, if you need to be comforted, you go to your mom. Yep. So in lieu of Mother's Day, today I'm going to talk about the God of all comfort. Because how many, we know, right, that God isn't male nor female, but he puts qualities of himself in men and women. And one of the beautiful qualities that he's put in mothers is the ability to comfort. Yeah. But it comes from God. So, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So this is the God we serve from Genesis to Revelations, the God of all comfort. And I'm going to first start in just this story of comfort and, and what the Bible speaks about comfort. I'm going to start in the Old Testament and what I was while well, there are these places and hints of where God comforted or gave tools for comfort, David in the Psalms he said, "Your rod and your staff they comfort me." Um, Psalm 119, your word, your precepts are a comfort So we see there are these hints of what comfort looks like in the Bible, but actually what we see a lot of are the cries for comfort and lamentations, which isn't a very uplifting book of the Bible. It's actually laments, um, agony, The you know, Jerusalem has been destroyed and it's just, it's toward the end of the Old Testament and it gets pretty dire from here on out. But I'm just going to read to you um, a few and... In- in Lamentations where it says um, Jeremiah is crying out and in the first chapter he says bitterly she weeps at night tears are on her cheeks among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her all her friends have betrayed her they have become her enemies a little later in verse 9 her filth filthiness clings to her skirt she did not consider her future her falling was astounding there was no one to comfort her A little later, verse 16, it says, this is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. And a little later in verse 17, Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no one to comfort her. And then once again in verse 21, people have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. And if you know anything about the Old Testament and the, and the Israelites, they went through a lot of oppression, right? And there was this constant cycle of crying out for a Savior, for comfort, for redemption. But there was this endless cycle of getting that breakthrough and then back into it. And then at the same time, you have these groanings. You have these interesting prophetic promises. In Isaiah, we see a lot of them. Flipping over to Isaiah 57, 18, it says, I have seen their ways, but I will heal them, I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners. In Isaiah 61, 2 it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Again in Isaiah, Isaiah 51, 3 it says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And Psalm 119, 76, it says, May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. So it's interesting, we see these prophetic promises of comfort and also the longing of comfort in the Old Testament. And there's an interesting thing, there's this interesting tension. And, and I was an English major, and so I love words and I love grammar. I'm not on top of it as I used to be, but I have a little geeky outness with, with some of the words today. And I think it's very interesting that comfort is used in a future tense. And if you think about it, the Old Testament would be a deep tragedy without the New Testament. You think about great works, you know, Shakespeare and stuff. Really, the Old Testament is a beautiful tragedy in the Shakespeare realm, right? Comfort is this future tense. There is this tension, this longing, this deep desire for God to bring comfort. And we get these hints of this promise that God desires to bring comfort, but they haven't got it yet. The waiting could be agonizing, and the presence of God has now left the temple, right? If you know anything about the Old Testament, the presence of God leaves the temple around the time the Babylonians invade, and it does not return until Jesus. So the thing about comfort that's really important is the proximity of a person, the proximity of presence. So we have God, and then Jesus comes. He comes a little bit closer to humanity, and Jesus comforts. Jesus is a comforts in a very in a present tense verb he comforts and I'm going to just share a little bit so um one of the verses right in John and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit about the Holy Spirit but Jesus says it is good for me to go away and I pray that the father he will give you another comforter so we can assume there another that he was already comforting But he was already living. In his expression, it was comforting. In his presence, it was comforting. His lifestyle was a lifestyle of comfort. So I'm going to now jump to John 11. And you can turn with me, because we'll sit here just for a little bit. And you may be familiar with this um, chapter. It's Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus has died. And I'm going to just... I'll start in verse 3, but I'll skip a little bit. So um, starting in verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. So I'm just going to read that again. So Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So Jesus says this, and he knows this, and this is where the story's going, okay? So it's important that we see that. Let's skip down now to verse 17, and I'll just read a little bit. Um, in the NIV, it says very wonderfully, the little caption says, Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. So that worked great for my, um, my sermon today. <laughs> Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know, he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. No one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply, he, and the Jews who had come along with her, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, "Come and see, Lord." They replied. Jesus wept. I'm going to pause there. When I was a kid, we had this running joke, um, in Sunday school that. Um, Okay, who knows a verse? And we'd all be like, I know a verse, Jesus wept. And it was kind of this joke that that was the easiest verse in the Bible to memorize. And we just kind of casually, flippantly said it. Um, Which I think is kind of funny because I feel like vulnerability is sometimes kind of a casually, flippantly said thing, right? Like when we're really in that place of mourning, it's hard to be vulnerable, Most comedies are actually, if you take out the humor, it's very tragic. It's a lot easier to laugh about tragedy in a comedy. Jesus wept. Two words. I love how it shows it in my Bible. It's just those two little lines and a bunch of space. To me, this is almost like a selah in the Psalms. It's an opportunity to pause or to keep going because it's really short and to ignore So we know in verse 3, Lord, that Jesus says this "This sickness will not end in death. Notice, for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Yet Jesus wept. I have a fear that sometimes in the charismatic church we miss these words. And I fear we are praying for the miracle and the breakthrough, yes. And we think that the solution sometimes that our emotional health isn't a part of that process and that solution, that perhaps it's distracting from the miracle, that perhaps we have to push it down or or declare it out. Because I think it's hard for us to understand how to mourn and weep and still fully be in faith. But if Jesus is fully in faith, if Jesus is God in the flesh, he could weep and mourn fully knowing what the miracle was going to be. And I feel, and I feel the answer is both. My philosophy professor in college, he would say that a lot, you know, and a lot of times we live in black and white, and yes, we do, but with God, a lot of times the answer is both. You can fully have faith and you can mourn. And I think it's really important that we realize there's emotional rhythm, there's emotional health in our walk with Christ, and we can fully walk in faith, believe for the miracles, but we can also be very honest with God about what we have lost and what we don't know or understand yet. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And perhaps we haven't felt God's comfort because we haven't mourned at times when God's saying, if you mourn, I will comfort you. And I feel like in that place, it will allow us to actually stay engaged with believing for the miracle. So, first we saw that comfort was this present tense prophetic promise And then we saw Jesus, we see Jesus embodied comfort. He is the or sorry, in the Old Testament, it was the future tense. And now Jesus, the comfort is a present tense. Jesus is the expression of it. And now the Holy Spirit is God's continuous answer to that prophetic promise. The priority, the proximity to that comfort is now even closer. Because comfort, we feel comfort with the closeness of a person. And now the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us. In John, as Jesus is getting ready to leave, he has a, his last supper, his last meal with his friends, and he tells them a bunch of things. And in this time, very often he brings up someone he's going to send. So he says in John 14, 6, and this is in the New King James Version, and I pr- will pray the Father for the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may be able to abide with you forever. And later on in verse 26, it says, But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Later on, John 15, 26, he says again, But when the comforter is but when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then lastly, in verse 27. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Comforter, that Greek word, parakletos, parakletos, parakletos something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not great at my Greek. Um, so what that means is it means to come alongside to summon for assistance to comfort, to cheer and encourage it is a positive force Dis- and the spelling of gr- the dispelling of grief by the impartation of strength, the capability or adaptability for giving aid, so different translations have used comforter, advocate, heal- helper, counselor, um, all kind of the same thing of coming. You know, if you think about an advocate, someone who really is like, I get your position, I hear where you're at, I see you, and now I'm going to defend for you, right? Um, A helper, I see your load is a lot, I'm going to help take that off, right? A counselor, let's talk about what's really going on inside right (laughs) now. (laughs) And a comforter, I'm just going to hold you. So they use all of those words. And and once again, in our English language, it's always so hard to fully translate the Bible because in the Greek and Hebrew, they have these words that mean so much more. So in a sense, I encourage you to read those different translations and use all of those words. Um, But for the sake of today, we're going to stick on the comforter. So what I like about in in John 14, 26, going back to some of my grammar where it says, but the comforter, comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. Comforter is used as a, let's see if you guys know this, adjective, a verb, a verbal adjective. Anybody know what that means? Um, going back to like sixth grade grammar. So what's neat about a verbal adjective is it actually, it's an active way of describing a noun, right? An adjective describes a noun, but if you have a verbal act- adjective, it's a more active way of describing that thing. So if you think about it, if you're writing a sentence, the man walked down the street, versus a verbal adjective would be the smiling man walked down the street. So it gives you more of a visual active sense of what that man, who that man is, right? So Jesus did not say the Holy Spirit is coming. He basically said the comforting Holy Spirit is coming. So it's beautiful because there's this active visual that we get, you know, it's, we're getting a lot of information and that's visually very active and helpful for us to understand that that is the way he's described. So, I had a hard, well, I have lots of hard mom moments. And as I've been meditating on the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I've been practicing accessing the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So, I'll tell you what I mean. Okay, so we all have, we all have hard, little hard moments. Right, so we, ha- we have the Jesus, Mary, Martha, deep loss moments. But I'd also propose to you that we have these little moments where we actually need more, more comfort and need comfort more than we realize, okay? So, so my life, you know, in a day it's like Florence is whining, she's teething, I need to pick her up, then Lilu needs something, the house is a mess. Now I'm feeding Lilu and, and Flo, or feeding Florence and Lilu has to go to the bathroom and, like, and there's, it's messy, it's just messy, you know, with three children, you can never keep a house clean. And these things can kind of just agitate you, frustrate you. And, and then Colt, you know, is taking Florence, my oldest one, to school. And, you know, like the half and half is left out for, you know, 45 minutes, but it's on the table. And I'm just frustrated. Now I'm like, Why is that half and half out, right? So you just get these little frustrations, and then you look to divert them, right? Maybe it's chocolate. I've definitely used chocolate at times to comfort me. Or maybe it's lashing out a quote when he gets back. Why can't you just put the half and half, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe it's like, I just need to binge Netflix right now. I propose to you that we have a lot of comfort set up in our life. And I'd like to invite you to begin to ask in those moments, Holy Spirit, comfort me. I know it sounds like a little pansy, but I'm telling you, it's powerful because this is why. It's the spelling of grief and imparts strength. So my chocolate may dispel my grief for a moment, but it will not impart strength in me. And there's something beautiful. I've gone to this place in those little moments where I am frustrated. I've said, Holy Spirit, comfort me. And I'll tell you. I hear him say, I see you. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And yes, every mother probably goes through it. So it's not that novel. But in that moment, it's a pain point. And I hear the tenderness of Holy Spirit say, yeah, it's hard. And the beautiful thing is just enough of that that comfort, I feel the shift. And I've seen myself just like, I don't even need to shift the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit just does it. And so you're getting the dispelling of that grief, even if it's little, the impartation of a supernatural God, I'm telling you, I think this is part of God that we have not accessed enough. You know, you just think marketing has made huge amounts of money over the word comfort. You know, your vacation, you're waiting, you know, once I just get through this week, I want the weekend, and I can't wait to go on my vacation at the Hilton where they have plush pillows and eat the macaroni and cheese because that's so comforting. Like, We are longing for comfort more than we realize, and it's in the presence of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our comforter for the big, grand losses, which I know we've all experienced in this season, but he is also there to access these little moments, and the invitation, I really feel strongly, is invite me invite me in those little hard moments I see them sure everyone deals with them sure like the train's late you know and you have you know you're you're you have the pressure of your boss and I think we think like oh that's that's pansy you know I think we think like oh I should be tough enough I invite you because why then are you going to your phone for Instagram right you need comfort you need a release and the Holy Spirit is available to bring that to you so finally in the epistles the word comfort is used in the most grandest sense second corinthians 1 3 4 praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion the god of all comfort he's the noun the god of all comfort comfort is used in the noun of who he is Who comforts us in our troubles. The verb. He is comforting us in all our troubles. All of them. Grand, little, small, medium. All. So then that we can comfort those in any trouble. So we're getting that too. then also there's an action. There's a direct object to comfort those in any trouble. With the comfort we receive from God. So there's this flow. the, The noun. God the comforter. Who is comforting us in all our troubles so that then we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we have received from God. So there's this beautiful giant bubble of comfort that we are living in, receiving, being a part of, connecting to. That once again, it's not just for the toddler. It's not just a mom thing. You know, like comfort sounds so, you know, feminine at times, right? But I invite you that it is deeply a part of our makeup. And God... We are wired to receive comfort. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up. And then, just really quickly, um, Colt, he's been really studying, studying Revelation. So I don't have all my notes on this one, but um, the truth is, the ultimate comfort will come in the new heaven and earth. And in Revelation 21, it says, he will wipe every tear from my eye. And I just want you to visualize that for a second. To wipe a tear off of someone's eye is a very gentle, very intimate, very loving, I mean, visual. It's just, it doesn't say, and all the tears will disappear. He's going to go around and wipe I mean, you have to, you know, be very gentle. And so that's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of God, the God of all comfort. So my daughter, Lilo, is four, and she's had quite a year, which I'm sure a lot of you have had. We were up in the Poconos most of the summer, and she had her sister, and um, there were a lot of things going on in her neighborhood that she was not aware of. And the fall came, and her sister went out to school. We had another baby, and she discovered that all her best buds moved away. And it was hard. We have the new baby. We're not going out much. So around winter time, we start going back to our little park. That we um, would go to a lot pre COVID. And it was the craziest thing because Lido's very much of an extrovert. And we'd get there and she would, mom I'm crying, um, she would retreat and she would not like it there. And it was challenging because I, I, I'm a very intentional mom. So I was like, kept on trying to like figure out how do I press into this. Um, and this one time, even these kids came up to her, and she ran away behind this play structure, and that is not Lilo. That's not her. And it just bothered me so much and me. I kept dialoguing with the Father God about this. What do I do? And and it just, there still wasn't a moment to really know how to unpack it with her. And she's four, right? Like, most four-year-olds don't know how to unpack these grand, big emotions and all these things that have hit them in this season, let alone ourselves, Right? So there was this one day, and I knew these, these older friends were still in the, the neighborhood. And they're like first grade and second grade, so older. But Fern and Lilu had played with them before. And so I called them. I texted them. I'm like, hey, let's hang out, thinking like this could be a solution for Lelu, right? So I tell her, oh, Danny and Emily are going to come play. We're going to go to the park. It's going to be great. And we get there. And before, they, had not re- they hadn't come. We were there earlier. And we were playing. She was having fun. We were like breaking the ice then they get there and she immediately turns into a different person like she just cowers back and she won't even say hi to them and I was so confused and kind of frustrated and a little offended and I kind of I had to apologize later because I'm like Lilo you need to say hi like you're being mean and I don't like to speak that way normally but it was bothering me and, and obviously there was stuff that I was still experiencing about this lack this loss in this season so no matter what I did she could did not want to even give them really a smile, and it really confused me. So then we get back home, and um, we're getting, I'm getting her a snack, and um, she wants milk. So I pour her some milk, and I go off to do something with Lilo. And all of a sudden, I hear this big cry, this big like, ah! And I turn around, and I go in the kitchen, and the milk is spilled. Now, I have a motto in my parenting. I let my kids cry over spilled milk. And I'll tell you why. I have found that if my kids need a cry over spilled milk, it's not really about the milk. It's about a whole lot of other things. And that this is now a moment where she suddenly opened up and some tears are coming. And this is a moment where Mother, Holy Spirit, can press into something. So in this moment, I pick her up. And I just say, it's hard when things like this happen. I'm sorry. I know. I hate when my milk spills, too. And I just began to speak to her. And then I said, there's a lot. Things change. There's a lot that's, that's changed in this season. I know, Lilo. And she cries more. You know, it doesn't go away. And sometimes that's hard because you're like, and this. what I've learned in parenting, sometimes you're like, if you have the time, it's beautiful. But sometimes you're like, oh, man, now we're going deeper. And <laughs> now here I'm crying. And you're crying over the spilled milk, right? But we cry together. And that, and then after she was done crying, she said, okay, I'm done. I'm like, do you, do you want some more milk? No, I'm fine. And I find that. This is another side parenting note. I find that if you give your child the chance to cry it out over the spilled milk, they can work stuff out. There's a parenting book I've I read called Tears That Heal, and they actually say that tears release stress hormones out of your body. So even if it's a spilled milk, even if it's you're late, you're running, and the coffee spills and you wanna cry, I invite you can cry. Because how many of you know we do a lot of stuffing, right? We do a lot of stuffing. The boss is mad at us. Okay, we we, we didn't do that great on that report. Okay, I can handle it. I can manage it. You know, things are breaking up with that boyfriend or girlfriend. It's okay, I can manage it. My finances, it's okay, I'm gonna manage it. And then you walk and your coffee spills and now you rage. You know, or now you cry. I'm telling you, we stuff the big things. because We don't always have the language and we don't always know fully what's going on. But we know when the coffee hits us, that makes me mad or that makes me sad. But actually what we're crying out is all that other stuff. So I invite you to look for the spilled milk moments and say, I will cry over the spilled milk moments because those are actually really going to open you up to something deeper that you may be stuffing. So Lila and I cried. And then later that day, I told Cole like about the situation. I'm like, this is so crazy. Like she doesn't ever act like this and I don't know what to do. And Cole's like, okay, well maybe I can talk to her. Let's, you know, I'm going to go order pizza and I'll just take her for a walk with me. So they walked and, and actually (laughs) Lila said, she said, daddy, I miss my friends. (laughs) And that, I think, is just hits me because the funny thing is Colt then came back and he said, you know what she said? She said she misses Lila and um, Syrah and Matilda, and it's hard for her to go to the playground and not see them there. And that's so articulate for a four-year-old. Oh, yeah. And for me, it actually opened up my own thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I miss my community of friends because they're our parents and those are the kids, and, and then I had to cry. Um <laughs> But I, I feel there might have been things, right, that we have lost in this past year. And I feel the Holy Spirit is coming and wants to comfort you. And, and the invitation is to allow just the Holy Spirit to comfort you and to mourn how you need to mourn. And here's the thing, here's the cool part of the story. So then Cole and I were just at um, a conference in the, the prophetic conference and this group prophesied over us. And they said, I feel like the things that were lost in this season are gonna be restored to you. And Colt afterwards, he's like, you know what I thought? I thought immediately our, our friends in, in our neighborhood, that God's going to restore those. And I, in that moment, I said, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that for myself, but I'm going to take it for Leeloo. So there's the miracle I'm believing for, right? Giving myself the freedom to mourn did not distract me from them believing for a miracle, right? So last week, we're out there playing. And was like, I know that girl. I know that girl. Her name's Colette. So apparently, like, Colt and um, Lily have gone to the playground, and there's this little girl, Colette. And she's seen her a few times, but she has been afraid to go up to her. And so I was like, oh, well, why don't we go play by her? So we, like, go play by her. And um, and then the mo- or the babysitter's like, I know you guys. I think, are you Lila?" I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Lily recognized Colette. And they just grabbed hands and just started walking. And it was so sweet. I mean, they didn't really say much. Like, Lila was just kind of like. You know, it was like, and then I think at one point, you know, Colette's holding her hand. She's like, I could tell Lila's like, I don't know how to keep holding her hand. i like, I want to talk, but anyway. So it was cute, but he was, there's that miracle. The answer to the miracle for little Lila right there was that there was a familiar friend, a safe friend, not a second grade friend, but she's three, so she's right in her age. And, and that that met a need, right? So I want to invite you today to pour your heart out to the God of all comfort and choose not to stuff some of those things. And it's okay if you don't have words, it's okay if you don't have language. And if you need to cry over the fact that your coffee got spilled, that's okay too. Holy Spirit groans for us with words we don't have that we can't express and say. So Holy Spirit gets that we don't always have the words and the language for what we are experiencing. And that is the beauty of Holy Spirit. He's inside of each one of you. If you are a Christian, if you're walking with Jesus, he's inside of you and he sees and searches and he knows every part. He's seen the whole story. He saw when your best friend moved away. He saw when the second graders came to try to play because your mom wanted them to play and you got afraid and intimidated. And now he sees your milk spilled, and you need to be comforted. So now we're just going to go into a time of ministry. And, and first of all, I just want to say, if you are someone, and you perhaps are like the Old Testament, where you have longed to be comforted, but you've never known the God of comfort. Maybe you've heard ways of being comforted, but, but you've never had a relationship with Jesus, who comforts? I wanna invite you that this is your day to experience the comfort that will truly change, that will truly heal, that will truly dispel grief and impart strength into you. So if you wanna start a relationship with Jesus, I just invite you to stand, stand up. And then for anyone else out here who feels there are areas where you need comfort, you need the ministry of the holy spirit the holy spirit is so beautiful and diverse he's there to release healing he's there to release um, revelation he is there to do so many things and he's also there to comfort so i invite you to stand up as well so holy spirit Thank you that you see, you see the deep, deep places in our hearts. You see the questions, you see the loss, you see the pressure, the tension of the season. You see, you see when we had to just react and make decisions very fast because information was coming at us very, very fast and we just had to do the best we could and we may have let some pieces fall or we may have been hit with a lot and we have not been able to fully process that Holy Spirit will you come and comfort will you comfort my friends here will you comfort them in their spirits in their souls will you gently wipe away the tears from their eye in the most intimate vulnerable delicate way that you do